Injury takes you out of the game. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Ethan Finley, and you're listening to Sound of the Loons. or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by alina health orthopedics i'm steve mcpherson and i'm joined by callum williams cal i am up north here and have already seen both bears and wolves today in ely minnesota how many wild animals have you seen so far in the twin cities um does adrian heath count as a wild animal uh, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> Um, because <laughs> if that's the case, I've seen several football coaches that will, will count as wild animals. Um, <laughs> was able to, to get over to, to training today before the team head over to Los Angeles, and, and then uh, we are heading on site to the Vancouver game, which is in Salt Lake for those unaware. So, lots of time with, um, with footballing animals for sure. Um, it always amazes me, Steve, the amount of wildlife you get in this country because I'm you know, from a place where there's wildlife for sure, but it's very rare there's just a bear walking around in the woods or, <laughs> you know, there's, um, what was it I saw the, the other week I was, uh, when we had that off weekend, um, oh, I saw something. I saw like a, um, like a falcon of some sort. I remember just thinking, you just wouldn't get that in the UK. You know, you get a fox, you get a, the old rabbit and, Badger and what have you here and there, but I mean it's not. And also, I, as I've said to you many times before, mate, I'm, I'm from you know city as well, so you don't really get a lot of of wildlife. Um, just a, an abundance of really annoying, ugly grey pigeons is what you get where I'm from. <laughs> um, so I always appreciate the wildlife for sure. I went up to not too far from where you said you're uh, at, at the moment. Um, I went up to Duluth, um, got about six months ago or so. Um, and uh, did did one of the one of the many hikes I guess you can do up there, and, and, and saw a, a few bits of wildlife as well. Um, but I must admit, um, if I came face to face with a bear, I'm not entirely sure. Aren't you supposed to make yourself look big or something along those lines, or have I mixed that up with something else? <clears throat> well, I saw today. I saw black bears at the North American Bear Center, which is in Ely, Minnesota. Um, and uh, apparently, it was a guy who who started this by he had a house with like a deck off the back and bears just came through there all the time. And he started, you know, sort of taking care of them. And now it's expanded into a whole sort of conservation center and they have like a bear preserve and they have four black bears on the premises and black bears are um, more shy generally like grizzly bears can be actually aggressive, but the black bears are, there's just not really a lot of black bear attacks. It's, it's more like you just want to, you just want to back off. Uh, from them. I don't think you need to necessarily even threaten them. Um, so, you know, the black bear is pretty mild. We saw some wolves. I saw a wolf cub puppy 
a 66 day old uh -huh. wolf, which was very cute. That was at the, the wolf center here in, in, uh, in Ely as well. And, uh, yeah, two beautiful white Arctic wolves, uh, Axel and Grayson are their names. And they're, they're out there and they're sort of going to be the, the pack for this uh, wolf puppy when it gets old enough to sort of join them. So, um, yeah, really, really fun stuff. I have not, I have not encountered a bear, uh, outside of my car in the wild up here at all. Uh, I've seen one from my car before. And now we saw an eagle, bald eagles are now up here in, in great numbers. I mean, they're around the Twin Cities as well, but it's uh, it's really tremendous. People should understand how great the Iron Range and the North Shore and Boundary Waters Canoe areas and all of this stuff up here, it's fantastic. And it's amazing that it's you know so close to the Twin Cities and we can uh, get away up here. Uh, so I, I advise everyone to to take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got to get up there a bit more, Steve. I think the the issue with with being a football commentator in, in this country is that whenever we've got a little bit of time off, there's 14 foot of snow outside. So um, that's uh, <laughs> that's my issue. But yeah, I, I would would love to get up north a bit more and and, and see uh, see more of the state. Do you know what? As well, Steve, I deserve a huge slap on the wrist. Actually, I've been here for nearly five years now. I've yet to pop over to Wisconsin. I've, I've still not not ticked it off and, and, I, and I have to right because I'm I'm here why wouldn't I just you go should. over and do it so I will at some stage if anybody has any recommendations for places to go in Wisconsin little restaurants or um I keep hearing there's one or two lovely little towns over the river uh have been meaning to do it as I said for a while with with the wife just pop over and, and have some lunch somewhere find a little brewery or something you know would love to so if anybody has any recommendations would be greatly appreciated for sure but how bad is that been in yeah, five know, years right? and i've not done it yet it's <laughs> so bad <laughs> there's some good stuff in wisconsin prescott is not too far away it's just across the river from from hastings and it's uh it, it's got some nice stuff there um i also really like bayfield uh which is a little bit more of a hike you probably stay over if you're going there but that's on the sort of the, the north shore is the top of lake superior this is the, the south shore of lake superior in wisconsin and there's uh, the madeline islands which are right there which are or the Apostle Islands, Madeline Island is the biggest one there, which you can take a, a ferry over to, and it's uh, great to bike around there. Um, and then there's, yeah, there's there's all kinds of fun stuff to do in in in, in Wisconsin. I mean, you could win an NBA championship in Milwaukee, uh, which we can't manage uh, in Minnesota. <laughs> but enough about that. Let's talk about uh, some soccer. We we were sort of off last week. I talked to Justin Sutherland about barbecue. I was completely greedy and getting to talk to him about that, uh, which was fantastic. But now we can look back at the last couple of games which have been pretty good uh for minnesota united here let's start with uh, the the one nil win at home over uh, seattle sounders to snap the sounders 13 game unbeaten streak uh that they were the they're the western conference leaders i think they're still the western conference leaders with the skc takeover I, 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 anyways they're near the top um what stood out to you about um minnesota you know in this game like wh what do you think was was the key for them to get that that win over the Sounders. Well, I think it looked really good considering then what the Sounders went and did in Austin on that following Thursday. Um, I think again, Steve, it just continues to personify the, the point that that Allianz Field is such a fortress for this team. Um, you know, I, I know obviously they they lost at home to Austin, but prior to that, it, it's been about as consistent as can be. And I, I will continue to say that I would back Minnesota against anybody in Major League Soccer at Allianz Field. I really, really would. Um, and, and a lot of that is, um, is because of... Um, that there is always a responsibility, I think, when you're the home team to press. 
and to not necessarily be entertaining, but certainly certainly attack. Um, and I think Minnesota thrive under that pressure when they are forced to to, to press and push forward and and ask questions of the opposing back line. I really think they thrive under that. Um, and you know, uh, I, I know the game against the Sounders wasn't as um, it, it it wasn't necessarily as easy on the eye from an attacking perspective as, as the Portland game was, but but it was still such a, a monumental victory. I think be, as well, Steve, from a psychological point of view, anytime you beat a team that's top of the standing, it's, it, it always helps. And, and you can say about any league, you know, if Aston Villa went and, and beat Manchester City, um, if, you know, Granada went and, and beat Real Madrid, you know, um, it, it's the same principle. It always feels really good to beat a team that's top of the league. And I don't think this league is any different um, in regards to that. So um, I, I thought it took um, it took a lot of character and composure for a team that were under pressure after what was perhaps the worst performance of the season away at Colorado. They needed a reaction. Uh, they needed uh, not necessarily a performance, but they certainly needed a reaction of some sort. They needed to show Adrian Heath and the fans something. And I know it took them a little while to get going, but eventually they, they did and, and they looked very good in their stride and um, obviously got the goal late on uh, with uh, Robin Lourdes. Uh, I thought, um, again, I, I understand why these inverted wingers are used. Uh, they cause chaos, they cause confusion. Um, but I think with the way the sound is set up with essentially a five-man back line, although it's a, a three-man back line in transition for them, um, I thought they they were vulnerable in the wide areas. And credit where credit's due, I think Adrian Heath recognised that. Uh, and that's why he brought on Nico Hansen. Um, and, and almost instantaneously, Nico Hansen was able to, to get in behind a couple of times. And I think it was the second or third attempt he was able to, to get around the centre-half, the nearest challenging centre-half, after getting in behind uh, Jimmy Madranda, who was the, the left wing-back for the Sounders at that point. Um, and obviously picked out Robin Lord, who did ever so well to peel away from from his nearest marker as well and, and tap into essentially what was an empty net. So um, I, I thought it was uh, another good example of, of what Minnesota can do at home. Um, we, we know at the moment um, goals aren't consistently flowing. We know the team aren't necessarily scoring as much as, as people would like them to, but they are creating the chances for sure. And I know for a fact, Steve, I would be a lot more concerned if they weren't creating chances. Because if you don't create chances, you're not even going to start to have the conversation about scoring a goal. So um, I thought against the Sounders, um, they did very professional. Could have easily, uh, from a psychological point of view, fallen apart. Um, but I think they were, they were as professional as they come uh, and they were worthy of, of victory. Yeah, I, I think it, to echo what you said about that chance to take down, you know, a, a sort of top team. Um, also, the Sounders, particularly, Minnesota had never beaten the Sounders in in, in MLS play, um, and especially yep. given that. Uh, you know, the loss in the Western Conference final last year and then that season opening loss to them on the road. Um, I, you know, obviously one game isn't isn't necessarily a turning point, but it, it, it does feel like one of those games that if Minnesota United's um, the rest of the season is good, if they really come together as a team and make it and can make a good run and get into the playoffs and make a good run in the playoffs. I think this 
game coupled with the Timbers win also will, will be seen as one of those moments that's like <laughs> they really they pulled together and they did something because, um, you know, the, the Sounders obviously were missing a bunch of players, but they've also been missing players all year and, and still managed to go on a 13 game unbeaten streak. Um, so, right. you know, like I, I think that again, you can only play the team in front of you. I think they did a fantastic job doing that. And the width was interesting to me as well. Cause I talked to um, uh, Nico Hansen about his assist uh, last week. And uh, we were talking about how, uh, how much Reynoso uh, was, was drifting out wide. Um, I think to try to take advantage of what you were saying that, you know, with as their full as Seattle's fullbacks were trying to get into the game late and they were trying to push up, it was leaving this space open. And you saw on, on uh, Ludd's goal to start it, like Reynoso had drifted way out wide uh, to get that ball and then sort of spring Nico around the outside. And then that beautiful pass from Ray uh, between the, nutmegging the defender to get it to, uh, uh, to Nico. And then, you know, I love uh, Nico even pointed it out that when he, he set the cross in and, and Ludd had peeled off the, uh, the center back, he just knew he was so open. He started celebrating before the ball even got there. He's like, he's, he's got to, he's got to make this. And um, it, it was, it was a beautiful goal. It was a beautiful team goal. There was a lot of components that came together that were great. I think we saw um, also Ludd's quality as, as a forward, you know, like I know that he's he's labeled as a false nine and he doesn't play necessarily as a sort of um, aggressive forward in the way that some other forwards play. But you can see in that play that he has the, that that capability to deceive the defense to sort of like, you know, if you watch back the replay, he sort of is running with the center back. The center back checks checks over his shoulder. And then as soon as he does that, Lud peels off and he gets into space. And that's like, that's one of those things that's like, if you have those attacking instincts and you can use them, then that makes him an incredibly uh, effective uh, forward for Minnesota in a lot of ways. Really, really useful center forward for sure. Um, I would argue that Robin Lord has been one of the more useful players that Minnesota United have ever signed because he can play a multitude of positions. Um, and we saw in the European Championships as well, if, if necessary, he can even play in the, the number eight central midfield role as well. So, um, uh, and someone suggested to me a while back, a while ago as well, that, that he, uh, he left back in Spain as well. So um, just about as versatile as they can, really. So, um, but yeah, look, he, I'm, glad, I'm glad he's now off to the races and, and we are getting a proper example of what he's about because obviously he didn't start his Minnesota career very well. He'd just come back off of a, a full season and uh, a break um, and, he, and he wasn't sharp, he wasn't fit. So it's good to see him now settling into things and... Um, He's, he's for me. I, I would argue, Steve. For me, Robin Lord is is one of the first names on the team sheet. Absolutely. Let's. That's a good way to transition into talking about the next game, Portland Timbers uh, at Allianz Field. Also, uh, this time a two-one win, which was a come-from-behind win, uh, which is not something that um, you know Minnesota again has. Have other than I believe I look back, other than. Um, beating Austin uh, 2-0 uh, later on in the season. That's the only win that's been by more than a goal, essentially, for Minnesota. They have been tight. They have not necessarily finished all those opportunities. But to come from behind after giving up an early goal, uh, to come back late and sort of show that character, it's one of those reasons that I feel like it could be it could end up being a very significant victory. Um, I, but just pivot on Robin Lud, I'll say, again, you know, the, the game-winning goal, Robin Lud's second game-winning goal in a row, he has... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about him later as far as the statistics. But my question is, you know, given those performances, um, how close do you think we might be to just seeing Robin Lowe start 
up top in that false nine role. Um, I mean, I, again, it's the thing that worked down the stretch last season. In some ways, you don't want to necessarily mess with the fact that like it's worked late and you know it's something you can go to. But um, and I think Adriano New has done, you know, he's he has a couple of goals. It's not like he's you know not holding up his end of the deal or anything like that. Um, so maybe you don't want to shift. But I know also that Adrian Heath is big on saying the players pick the team. And when you have a guy who's put in two game-winning goals in your your forward spot, like do you think about moving him up there and just starting the game with him up top? I think when it's necessary, Steve, yeah. So, for example, when there are three games in seven days, it wouldn't surprise me if, for example, on Wednesday, Robin Lurch started in, in that false nine position. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the case, but um, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I think um, he's, he's just become such a useful player for Minnesota United, for sure. But, look, in terms of the, the game itself, Steve, I mean, I, I thought the, the opening goal for Portland was a lovely goal. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm... I'm um, not convinced uh, Homo Mitalia is, is tight enough to Espria, who played the ball in. Obviously, uh, Mora got just the half a yard away from Dassi that he, that he needed to, um, and he executed the header really, really well. Um, that, that's two really fabulous headed goals in two games now for Felipe Mora, who's proven to be a really good addition for the Timbers. Um, but again, it, it showed that Minnesota United, from a psychological point of view, have the characteristics they need to get back into things. Because, again, it would have been so easy just to drop the shoulders and just to think, right, well, you know, this is obviously a bit too difficult today and and to mope around and, and what have you. But I think, um, I'm not suggesting this is the main factor, but I think at some stage it was going to be obvious that the Timbers were going to flounder in the sense of they they just played a game um, on, on Wednesday against LAFC. Um, and I, I think at, at some point, especially when the changes were made at halftime and Valeri came on, the, the team wasn't too dissimilar to the one that had played on, on Wednesday against LAFC. So at some stage, you have to wonder when is that going to, to take its toll? And I think it did towards the end of the game as well. Um, but Minnesota, I thought, were, were dominant in the second half. Um, what was it? 28 shots, I believe, in the ends. Um, right. <laughs> it's not, not the first time we've mentioned that sort of number in terms of shots on goal for, for Minnesota this season. But... Um, you know, they, they kept on asking questions. They kept on peppering. And, and again, Steve, it, it's a tremendous... Um, you have to give a tremendous amount of, of uh, credit to, to the character of Minnesota United uh, because, again, it's so easy to, to feel deflated. You know, I mean, I must admit, of old age, Steve, I think there was about 15 minutes to go or something. I wondered, I thought to myself, is it going to be one of those nights where you continue to pepper the goalkeeper and the opposing goal... And if you, even if you continue to play until tomorrow morning, you still wouldn't score. You know, I genuinely wondered if, if that was going to be a thing, if that was going to be an issue. And um, you know, I, I thought they, um, I thought they did ever so well in terms of of continuing to interrogate and ask questions. And all it needed was one goal, really. Um, and I thought to myself, if they could get one goal, if they could find the net somehow, it doesn't matter how, then I think the belief would return. And they could absolutely turn this around. And obviously, that's, that's what they did. I mean, the, the first thing I must admit, what I wanted to say when I saw Chase Gasper had headed into the net, I wanted to say, Chase, what on earth are you doing up there? Um, <laughs> but it, at, at that point, it, it just didn't matter, you know, just, just find a way to beat the goalkeeper, find a way to get the ball in the net. And, and they obviously did that. And, and you could sense it in the stadium, couldn't you, Steve? At least in my opinion, you, you could sense it. There was a real sense of belief. Um, 
And the crowd did an unbelievable job of, of continuing to support the players. But particularly when, when the equalising goal went in, there was a real sense of, right, we, we can do this now. We can turn this around. And, and what was it? Um, seven or eight minutes later, it, it's 2-1 Minnesota. And um, we, um, we, we should be talking about that pass from Emmanuel Reynoso for a long, long time. Um, it was such... Uh, a beautifully caressed pass in, into Robin Lourdes. Uh, and I must admit, Steve, at the time, I didn't quite appreciate how good it was um, because, unfortunately, there was, and I love this, by the way, but um, there was still a fair amount of smoke in the air from the first goal, <laughs> all, the, all the flares that were let off. And because of the humidity, the, the smoke stuck around. So yeah. it was quite difficult to, to see the field for a little bit. Um, and so I, I, thought, I thought that also had just sort of pinged it forward. I didn't realise there was as much technique behind it until we saw the replay. Um, but it, it's a, a spectacular pass. Um, sometimes what you can with, with Reynoso dropping deep. We've complained about it before. We, we've said what with it. And those issues are still there. Again, um, I, I saw a, a stat. Someone showed me a number for the game against Portland. And again, Reynoso loses the ball over 30 times. Um, this time it seemed as though he lost the ball a bit higher up the field, which, as we've said before, you don't mind if a 10 does that. But if if if, if your main playmaker is losing the ball inside your own half, you, you've got a bit of an issue there because every the fullbacks have already gone, everybody's done one mindset and they've got to turn around quickly and your recovery runs have got to be got to be spot on. And it, it just creates a bit of a mess, really. So um uh, but 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 that example um, that we saw, that pass towards Lord, was um, an example of what he can do from from deep as well. And and you know what he does when he when he when he is deeper, Steve is he can survey. He he gets a much better angle, obviously because he's he's deeper. His his um, vision of what's ahead of him is so much wider. So he can see an overlapping run from Etenir. Uh, he can see a, a run off of the shoulder like uh, the one that he found uh, Robin Lurd on, you know. So um, th- th- there's, of course, there's advantages and there's negatives towards him dropping deep. I think the preference is they want him higher up the field for sure uh, because he's so intricate um, and so delicate on the edge of the box and he can create something out of nothing. You mentioned the pass that he slipped through for Nico Hansen for the goal against the Sounders. But, um, you know, Minnesota just have to continue to find a way to to make him be as consistent as possible because when Emmanuel Reynoso is on his game, he is one of the best number 10s this league has ever seen, in my opinion. I, I Already, I think we can say that in, in terms of, not, not even just from a statistical number, Steve, as well, but purely just from a, a footballing point of view, um, he, he's just such a joy to watch. And, and the good thing is, as you only know, there's, there's more to come from him. He's, he's 25 years of age. Um, at some stage, people are going to be looking at him, you know, he's... He's such a wonderfully unique number 10 in the way that he plays the game and reads the game. So um, if Minnesota can keep him consistent, they're only going to continue to climb the table. Yeah, I mean, he it, it, that pass, uh, as you said, it, that I think the, the angle that we've now seen uh, the most, if you're on, on Twitter or social media, that, that angle that's sort of looking uh, at him from behind the goal and you see the ball you know, flying in and sort of back the backspin and it lands and bounces just, you know, nicely for, for Lud. It's, it's really tremendous. I think that, you know, Cal, as you're saying, he, he 
generally you'd want him to be farther up the field. I think that hurts them less later in a game like that, where the other team is tired and you're not, you know, like I think him dropping deep and those moments where there's not as much pressure coming from the other team. By that point, the game had really opened up into that sort of like people are retired and there was a lot more like everybody coming down this way and then everybody going back this way and then everybody coming down this way. There weren't as many people sort of looking for one-on-one duels in, in midfield. And so I think that gave him a little more, a little, little more time to ping that pass. But um yeah, I mean, he had a couple, again, as far as creating opportunities, uh, it did a great job. Again, the finishing for Minnesota overall is a little tough. That move where he dumped the defender, like, in the box, essentially, and he just had to sort of round on the ball and, like, couldn't couldn't quite get there. I was like, oh, that was so close to being a spectacular play. That would have been by far, you know, like, a highlight reel. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with you that the character – uh, to show to, in terms of coming back in those moments is 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 huge, especially you know missing uh, a player like Michael Boxall, who's been you know uh, the captain uh, for a lot of games. Brent Coleman has stepped up into that into that role alongside Bakai Debasi, and I think we've seen that um, you know you sort of Minnesota really needs one of Debasi or Boxall in there to really sort of like cement that that duo in the center back position. Um, given that though, I mean, I, I, I like that pairing. I think uh, Coleman is one of those players who's, uh, who's good. And when he's next to a center back, um, who's uh, better, he, he improves himself. He steps up to that, that, that level essentially. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a little bit of the identity of the team still. I, this is another thing I'm, I was, I was curious about your thoughts. If you feel like there's sort of an identity beginning to form because that those first four games were, were so tough. Uh, there was a, a good sort of unbeaten run. They flagged a little bit and then have come back strong to beat Seattle and Portland recently, you know, defense first, obviously wanting to get more going forward, but um it's not quite there yet. I think maybe they, this just becomes a team that, you know, lives and dies on these, these one goal victories, but, but knows how, knows how to do it. So. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, I, I think more than anything, Steve, like just, I, I said this a few times, actually, I, I think I actually, I remember saying this, um, when was it, uh, literally right after the, uh, right after the game, um, it's interesting you make the point you did because because I, I actually think there was a real turning of a page, I thought, because of the entirety of the package at Allianz Field on, on Saturday evening. I thought with the atmosphere the way it was, the crowds the way they were, the stadium, the quality of the football, everything, everything that was on offer I thought to myself, and I know of, of, of a handful of people that were there for the first time that evening as well. Um, I thought to myself, how can you not come back after seeing this? Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the previous point, Steve, I walked into the brew hall after um, after doing the, the broadcast and I met up with some colleagues of ours and, and some friends and what have you. And I walked in and, and the, the MNUFC chant was, was going in the brew hall. I'd never seen that before. And I walked past a bunch of people who were very welcoming and screaming and, and you know, uh, saying lots of nice things. And it, um, it just felt like it's the happiest it's ever been. And, and I thought to myself, Steve, um, going back to what I said about it being the, the whole package, um, I genuinely think it was a real turning of the page in the sense that, now, 
when you look back on on that and you look back on the run that the team have, have been on, the expectations of the team now, how relevant they are in, in the Twin Cities and what have you, I think it's the first time we can genuinely and really, really mean it, genuinely, we can say that this is a premier MLS team. It's a proper really, really enticing Major League Soccer franchise. People want to come here. People want to come and play here, want to come and work here, want to come and see the stadium, want to come and see certain players because they want to come and play here, you know? So, And we've had glimpses in the past, for sure, where Minnesota have had some good players and it's been great. You know, I, I think back to someone mentioned it to me on social media the other day about that night when Vito Manone saved the penalty um, against Dallas, you know? I mean, a, a magnificent moment, you know? But... I feel like the team were were still trying to find their identity at that point because they, they hadn't reached the playoffs at that stage and what have you. And, and now it's, you know, two consecutive seasons in the playoffs. Um, it, it has to be a third as well um, because I think that's genuinely the expectation now. And those expectations, I think, are fair. But um, now, like I said, I, I, I genuinely think that it, it was a turning of the page for this club. Um, and just because of of the whole package that I've mentioned several times now, Steve, I, I really, really think we can identify Minnesota United as a premier major league soccer franchise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Cal also that, that, and I think Adrian has mentioned it a couple of times already, but that, that the atmosphere as you alluded to as well at Allianz field is, is getting to be one of those atmospheres. And, and it felt like playoff soccer, essentially the last yeah. two games and that it really, there was definitely that feeling I mean I think it's, it's the, some of the in-stadium feeling is it, it brings me back to that like Vito's you know ter- terrific penalty save against Dallas because that was the, sort of the moment when I think that that team first started looking like they were actually going to you know do something like they were actually going to get in the playoffs and, and all of that stuff and I think that now that the fans are even better at that stuff and I think it took them a while to come back from you know COVID uh, the the sort of this nobody being in the stadium for a while and I think again it was like a little learning process of you know being back with a lot of people and everything like that which is you know and obviously we're still you know dealing with with, with COVID it's not over it by any means but mm. um, but things have returned to a certain sense of normalcy and and I think that you really felt in the stadium in that Timbers game as the the sort of the pitch was building it was like with every opportunity the fans were like picking the team up and like trying to carry them yeah. on with that, with that, with the volume and everything like that. And it, it, it's, it's amazing. It's not, it's not, I think I'm not, it doesn't always convey across television. So I don't know how it always comes across um, if for people are watching it at home, but it's a thing I haven't experienced a whole lot live at uh, sporting events where there is that feeling of, you know, a, a pitch rising, a shot goes awry and there's this kind of like pause and then the chant starts again and everything just starts building up again. And it's like, wow, I'm like, I can't imagine being a player down on the field and having that <laughs> support behind you. You're like, well, we got to go and get this because, you know, listen to the way these fans sound. It's amazing. Oh, absolutely, Steve. And, and look, I mean, so a few things here. So number one, I'll just go back and add another point to what I'd said. I think there was a real sense of occasion um, for that game against Portland Timbers the other day. Um and, and, and again, it's just added to the list of things that I said that made it the full package. Um, number one, Steve, let's make no mistake about this. Number one, the reason for the occasion, the reason for the full package is the fans. The fans were absolutely unbelievable. And, 
And it's interesting to see, you know, sort of coming from where I'm from and, and seeing football across Europe and what have you, you know, I always, I always try and sort of, um, let, let's have some realistic expectations, you know, and the game's still growing here and what have you, you know, and I always try and temper expectations, especially with people coming in town and stuff who are from Europe and whatnot, they're used to a certain atmosphere. Um, but but I always say the fans are amazing here, but let's just, you know, it's, it's not like Europe, it, it's not, but, but you sure. have to be okay with that. It's just different. Um, I think on Saturday evening against Portland Timbers, you could have been anywhere in the world. Um, and, and if you, if you um, showed a snippet of the game to a uh, football fan from somewhere in the world and you put a couple of options as to where this is and they were options from all around the world, he would not choose Minnesota. And I mean that with all due respect um, because it, it just, it was as good as, as anywhere. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible. And, um, I'll be honest about this, Steve. I think, you know, I've said before that, you know, we're very fortunate that we, we do what we do and we work for the club and, um, you know, and, and, and such and such. And we've got jobs that so many other thousands of people would like and what have you. But, you know, at times it, it's, it's tough. I believe that the phrase is dragging ass that you taught me a while ago. <laughs> um, you know, it's, at times it's tough. Like this week, for example, this week is really tough having the three games in seven days and two of them are away, obviously. It's tough at times. Um, and not necessarily that I ever fell out of love with with Minnesota United or the league or anything, but um, if I did, I didn't know about it, but if I did, the fans that evening against Portland helped me fall back in love with Minnesota United um, and the idea of the franchise and the idea of soccer in America again. And and like I said, Steve, not, not that I've, I fell out of love with it, but... So, you know, sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes you don't know what you're feeling and, and what have you. And um, I'll, I'll be perfectly blunt there and, and, and say, yeah, the fans helped me fall back in love with with Minnesota United and, and soccer in America and um, and just the whole idea of it. Um, I, I I was nearly I was nearly in tears, Steve. Like the whole the whole night. I, I found myself at one stage. You know, when when Chase Gasper equalised. Of course, we we as as broadcasters, we always want the you know we want the team to win. We work for the team, of course, but but it's not from our point of view. It's not a complete catastrophe if the team don't win. We're more concerned about have we had a good broadcast and, and have we been able to portray the message and such and such, you know. Um, but I even found myself on on Saturday evening when gas was, I even punched the air, and and I had to put the mic down because I was grinding my teeth together and I was I was a fan again I was a fan again Steve and, and yeah. you know I, I don't want to make it about me here but I mean like I said the, the, the fans really um, were a credit to themselves on, on Saturday evening Steve they, they were they were as good as I've ever seen um, and, and they I don't know what their what their overall aim is um, I would assume it would just be to be the best version of themselves but um, they were a credit to the club to the state to, to the Twin Cities and whatnot, and and they um they they would fit in anywhere in the world when they're in that kind of form. That they were incredible, and and they they are the reason. I no no doubt, you know, of course, tactics and and coaches and certain plays helped Minnesota United win this game, of course. But they don't win that game if the fans aren't the way that they were on Saturday. They are absolutely at the peak of the conversation as to why Minnesota were victorious on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, it's 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 hard not to get caught up in it when it's like that. I think when when Lud uh, it scored the game winner, I'm I may have said a profanity 
possibly in my in my booth up there. I may have, you know, I may have said a little something. Um, it, it's uh, it, it's tremendous, and and uh, it makes you excited to go back and 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 be there again. I think after feeling a little bit, um, you know, hesitant in coming back to the stadium, and and then with people, everybody coming back as we get to full capacity, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, and uh, you know, we hope it can stay this way, and uh, you know that that. The COVID continues to, um, hopefully our progress is not uh, reversed on that and we can continue to all come to the stadium. But yeah, it's, it is starting to feel like it, it, the feelings, the feels are coming back. So, um, all right, we're, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to skip ahead to the two games coming up. First of all, when injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. All right, let's uh, let's take a little bit of time, eh, 10 minutes maybe, to talk about the next two games that are coming up. Um, first game up, uh, which is tomorrow, uh, against LAFC, flying, flying to LA to face LAFC. It's one of those weird things because um, – Minnesota United have not faced LAFC since the end of LAFC's historic 2019 season um, mm-hmm. when they managed to uh, – there was a home game at, at Allianz Field that was a draw, but I think what everybody remembers was, was Minnesota United beating them 2-0 on the road. The only home loss that LAFC suffered that year when they blew everyone away, their goal differential was like plus 48, I think, that season. So it was, it was ridiculous. How uh, – how diff- obviously this this LAFC team is not the same as that LAFC team. How do you feel like this team is different from that one? They have not sort of been able to hit on all cylinders yet uh, this season, or they're now just sitting a spot above Minnesota United right now. What, where is LAFC at, and and what do you think they need to do? Also, having said that, they just traded uh, Mark Anthony K to Colorado, which just came out today. So. Yeah, I think I think LAFC are in somewhat of a transitional period at the moment, Steve. They've still got some really good players, especially in the front line as well. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to play, but but Brian Rodriguez is obviously top class when he's in the mood. Diego Rossi, um, Golden Boot winner before, has, has been wonderful. Carlos Vela speaks for himself. That that season, by the way, I, I only know this because I was just doing the numbers earlier on, that 2019 campaign for Carlos Vela, 34 goals in 31 games, by the way. I mean, that's the... That, that is outrageous, that is. That, you just don't yeah. see that very often at all, you know? So... Um, I think they're um, they, they've got some uh, gaps in their roster. I think it, it it sounded like I was fortunate myself and Kendra were fortunate to um, be on the LAFC press conference today, and um, you know a lot of it was about that Mark Anthony uh, K trade that you you mentioned, which is a lot of money for him, by the way. Not I'll get to that in a second, but um, it sounded like Bob Bradley had been a bit frustrated in the transfer market, and they didn't have the players in that they wanted to. Um, no doubt they've added some pieces. You know, Mario is a, is a a good centre half, good good Colombian uh, defender. I'm a big fan of Marco Farfan, um, who, who was was great at Portland Timbers, um, and and they've had uh, one or two young players emerge as well. I mean the the El Salvador goalkeeper Romero, who's only 20 years of age, has mm-hmm. has done quite well. Um, I, I think it's an area that Minnesota can get at though for sure. Um, I I think I I wonder if they continue to operate with the the corner kicks in particular like they have. Um, I wonder if they do the same here with with Romero because of, of the height of the goalkeeper. Um, so I wonder if, again, they ask whoever's taking the set pieces to to play the ball uh, in and around the goalkeeper and force the goalkeeper to make a decision, you know? 
Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but I think LAFC are good um, on the counter press. Um, I'm, I'm not sure they'll operate like that at home, but um, I think they are. I think at the moment, Steve, that they do leave a little bit to be desired. I, I thought they were poor against Vancouver. Um, they, they had some chances for sure. Sifuentes put his goal away beautifully. Um, but I, I think there's areas to be got at for sure. I, I just wonder what they're going to do, Steve. Are they going to, you know, they, they, they for the most part have operated in a 4 3 3. I wonder if they continue to do that. Um, you know, Mark Anthony Kay had, had been a, an integral part of the team um, and, and has been away with Canada at the Gold Cup. So he's not necessarily played over the last couple of, of weeks, but. Um, you know, for me, Atuesta is one of the best central midfielders in Major League Soccer. Um, if if he's moving, if he's flowing, LAFC are moving and flowing as well. He really does do a wonderful job in in dictating. Um, so I, I don't know, Steve. I'm interested to see what they do. Um, obviously, Latif Blessing is is great, um, wonderful with with the secondary runs from the centre of midfield. Um, if you look at a lot of his goals, a lot of them have, have come from the edge of the box. A lot of them have come from um, secondary runs in towards the penalty area um, and first-time finishes inside the box because he's he's running as quick as he can to be involved in the play. Um, and uh, I, I just wonder, Steve, I, I wonder how Minnesota are going to, to plan to, to counteract this, you know? Um, it'll be interesting. I, you would expect there to be a couple of changes anyway. Um, given the fact that, as we've said several times now, it's it's three games in seven days, two of which are obviously on the roads. It wouldn't surprise me if Adrian made a couple of changes for the game on Wednesday and then went back to somewhat what we've been used to seeing recently for the game away at Vancouver. Um, because I think, I think, um, I, and I don't know this, but but I would assume they would take a point at LAFC and they would go and try and get all three against Vancouver. That that would I think would be realistic. Um, I don't know that. I've not spoken to the coaching staff, but but that wouldn't surprise me at all. But um, it, it does sort of um, make you think what what Minnesota will do. You know, are they going to stick with a 4-2-3-1? Are they going to give, um, you know, another centre-forward a, a run-out? Is, is Unu uh, needing of a, of, a, of a rest from the start? Uh, do they give Reynoso a rest? Um, do they change things? Do they go 4-3-3? Do they go with three central midfielders to um, to match up with, with LAFC midfield? Um, you know, is Michael Boxall available? We, we don't know. Um, so these these are all things that, that we have to wait and see over the course of the next 24 hours. But um, the good thing is, Steve, as we've said on a number of occasions this season, Minnesota have the roster to be able to do this now. Um, that, that hasn't always been the case. Um, so I, I just wonder what they're going to do, Steve. But um, again, like, like I said, I, I would expect a couple of changes from from the lineup that we saw against Portland. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised at seeing. I was looking back, and, and that that win over LAFC away two years ago involved you know a three man backline, which they don't. I mean, presuming Boxall isn't ready, they don't really have a three man backline to run out there that would feels fantastic. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily expect that. But the four three three would be interesting. I think. Um, you know, we've seen Minnesota before have success with 
it, it, seeing how Atuesta does early on and how Minnesota is treating him, I think is going to show what their approach is. Because again, we've seen Minnesota go and try to just strangle that holding midfielder who's, who's the deep line playmaker. And if they can bottle that person up, they've shown the ability to defend from the front with the other guys to keep everybody else sort of out of it. So you could see a 4-3-3 with, you know, somebody like a Hassani Dotson just assigned to blow up you know, Atuesta as much as he can. And if you see that move, then I think that's sort of an indication of we're going to try to play conservative. We're going to try to get goals if we can, but we will take a point on the road um, and and look toward a team like Vancouver, which looks much more vulnerable, um, you know, to try to get those three. As as Adrian has also pointed out, I mean, they've, they've taken 21 points from the last 10 games, which is a 2.1 point per game pace, which is better than any other team. I think maybe New England's slightly ahead of that right now. But anyways... It's very good. If you can average that, then you're definitely, I think both SKC and Seattle are at two points per game right now. And that's what they're, they're, they're averaging that basically. And that's winning at home and taking a point on the road. If you just do that, then, then you're sort of in good shape. Um, let's uh, touch briefly on Vancouver. Um, since we're probably not going to get to record another um, episode before then. This is one of those, I, it sort of depends a lot on what happens in LAFC. I think if you, um, it, if you can conserve some of those bodies and then throw everybody you can uh, who you would normally expect in a starting 11 in Vancouver, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about that. But it also, I, I was noticing that uh, the last three teams um, are, you know, Seattle, Portland, LAFC, by the point, point that the Vancouver game is played, those are all teams that are above Minnesota United in the standings for like when they have played them. The Timbers were one game ahead of Minnesota. LAFC are a game ahead of Minnesota right now. They're a spot ahead of Minnesota. Um, three of the next four are all behind Minnesota. And that's one of me, one of the interesting things, because it's one thing to be a team that steps up and accepts the challenge. And that's an important thing to do, but you also have to avoid playing down to your competition for taking your foot off the gas when you're playing a team like Vancouver and you've just played a team like LAFC. So it's going to be interesting. They're going to be going to Rio Tinto. They're playing at altitude against Vancouver in a place they haven't played Vancouver before. It's going to be an interesting one, I think. Yeah, well, it, by no means is it going to be easy as well, Steve, as you mentioned, playing in altitude, um, which isn't usually the case against Vancouver, obviously. But um, Mark Dos Santos, the manager of Vancouver, is someone I get along with quite well and um, due to speak to him uh, on Friday at some stage. And um, he's, he's always he's always thinking about um, what's next. He's always, it, it seems as though he tries to think ahead of just about everybody. So... I, I love the fact that, that he, he brought his team to Salt Lake. He said they were offered a chance to, to go to Portland again, as they did throughout the majority of, of last season. But he wanted his players to be in Salt Lake um, and for, for various different reasons. Uh, number one, he said there was no distractions. Um, and number two, he it's said... Totally shit, Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. Salt Lake City, yeah. <laughs> the nightlife in Salt right, Lake. Right, yeah. <laughs> there's some decent little, there's some decent little pubs yeah. in Salt Lake City. But, yeah, you know, for sure. Um, some good breweries. We, we, didn't we go to a brewery? I, know I certainly went to yeah. a brewery with somebody a couple of <laughs> couple of years ago. But anyway, um, I, I understand what he's saying. You know, rather than being sort of in the the heart of downtown Portland, that they they've got their own sort of resort in the mountains away from um, from distractions. Yeah. Um, he he was very high on on um, training at altitudes. It obviously has given them. Um, well, he, he thought it would give them an advantage for sure in terms of fitness. So, um, and I, I think uh, credit has to go to the, the club at Vancouver as well for 
for flying the families down there as well and making the players as comfortable as, as as they have been as well. You know, it's essentially been a home away from home over the last couple of months for them. So um, it's going to be difficult, Steve. It will, because they are comfortable. You know, I think the initial thought is that, right, well, they're not really playing in Vancouver, so it should be an easy win. But they've, they've been there for the last three, four months. So it's, it is going to be very comfortable for them. So... Um, you know, I'm interested to see what they do. Uh, I was just having a look at the lineup that they they played against LAFC, and, and I don't expect too many changes. Obviously, they they don't have a game this week. Minnesota LAFC is the only midweek game in Major League Soccer this week, so I would expect it to be fairly similar. Um, obviously, they've got a few absentees away at the Gold Cup. I know um, uh, Lucas Cavallini is away with Canada. Uh, Maxim Clepol is away with Canada, the goalkeeper as well. So maybe uh, Hassal will will stay in goal. Um, White, the centre forward that they got from from the Red Bulls, I would assume would start with with the Home and and Caicedo by the side. Um, Alexandre and and Bikel Owusu in the centre of midfield, maybe. So, um, you know, the, the only thing is, Steve, I think the at the back, um, Godoy and, and Vasilinovic are, are good, but they're not the quickest centre backs, and I think they are guilty of being caught flat-footed from time to time. Um, so I wonder how how Adrian Heath and Co plan to get the better of that. I'm sure they have an abundance of ideas, but um, looking forward to to going out there. Looking forward to getting back on the road properly again, Steve. That's going to be good from a, a broadcast standpoint. Um, but but also very much looking forward to having conversations with the coaching staff the, the night before the game and, and trying to understand what what they want to do. It'll certainly give myself and Kendra um, more of an opportunity to to get the message across to to the viewer. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll be a tough game, but um, and as I said, I've not spoken to anybody, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if there are a couple of changes for the LAFC game and, and they not necessarily look to play for a tie because I don't think Adrian Heath works like that. Um, but if they get a tie, they will take it and then they'll go to Salt Lake to try and get the better of Vancouver, who I think, as it stands, have, have three wins on the season so far. It's, it's not been particularly outstanding. And I mm-hmm. think that Adrian Heath and his staff will think there's a better chance of getting victory there as opposed to LAFC. But it's Major League Soccer, and who on earth knows? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. And, that I mean, they, it should be a good set of games this week, both late games, by the way. So uh, everybody rest up. That LAFC start at 9.30 is... Uh, that's a brutal one. Uh, so everybody rest up uh, Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. versus LAFC. That's on uh, uh, Valley Sports North, not on the CW Twin Cities. Those are the weekend games. So uh, everybody check in on that one. Thanks for joining us for the 153rd Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Enteris. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember... There's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you exactly as you are.